I'm Malia. And I'm Madison. And this is Driveway Moment. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, hello. TGIF, guys. It is finally Friday. Welcome back. So, as promised, we have a very special guest today. Her story will keep you on the edge of your seat and... It's just shocking. Our jaws were dropped most of this conversation. Seriously. She is just such an awesome person and a very strong woman. (laughs) Literally. We heard her story back in 2019, I think. Yeah, 2020. I was on like a 20 hour car ride and I listened to the whole thing. That's why I remember. Even Drew was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Yeah, just absolutely crazy, slightly traumatizing. Anyway, we heard her story back then on a podcast. Something was wrong. Sorry. (laughs) So it was just the coolest thing to be able to sit down with her and hear her story firsthand and then hear about how she's been doing since then. And here she is. Hi, I'm Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) So do you want to tell us what your story is about before we really get into it? Sure. I'll give you the the 10 second version. So a few years ago, I met a guy online. I got uh, engaged fairly quickly. Uh, Loved him, obviously, just was stepped kind of like out of a movie as the man of my dreams. And then things moved really fast and turns out like eight days, like eight days, exactly eight (laughs) days before we were supposed to get married, turned out to be an absolute nightmare. And I called it off because everything just came crashing down all at once. And how we got there is why everyone wants to know, wait, I need to know more. I don't, this is insane. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. We first heard Sarah's story on a podcast called something was wrong. I think I, it was like two years ago that I heard it on a road trip and I stayed in my car, like driving around just so I could finish it. Cause I was just like on the edge of my seat the entire time. I am so excited to rehear the story. Cause I like purposely have not. He's like, I'm so excited to hear your trauma. (laughs) That's awful. But no, I just like, I remember being like, this is the craziest story ever. Like unbelievable. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's fine. Cause now I think I'm, it's a testament to how much healing has happened and how much time has yeah. passed because I can laugh about it now. So it does feel mm-hmm. like, it almost feels like it happened to someone else, you know? Yeah. So, so no, no weirdness or judgment, just like laughing my way through it. Cause it's kind of mm-hmm. like, that was absurd. Can we even, <laughs> I can't even believe that happened. Yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. Yeah. So we will be referring to her ex-fiance as Dick in this episode. Yep. Yep. Code name. (laughs) Not just code name. So do you want to start by telling us kind of where you were at before you had met him in your life? Yeah. Yeah. I loved where I was at. I was living with two good friends of mine. We were in downtown Sacramento, an amazing apartment, just having a lot of fun. And dating was kind of a part of it, but it wasn't a big focus. We just, we were, we traveled. My roommate and I had gone to Europe together. I worked with a group of my closest girlfriends. I had my dream dog, the French bulldog. I was having a blast. And mm-hmm. for moral support, some girlfriends and I every once in a while would download a couple dating apps and just go on like a binge dating spree to try and change up our traffic pattern and <laughs> meet new people, you know, and sort of commiserate mm-hmm. with each other, which somehow, you know, made it all better because it can be such a mess. And <laughs> I met this guy just out of nowhere. And that's where I was at. It was, I wasn't looking for him. I wasn't, it was kind of like, I was a little bit scared to change my life because I felt like I had it so good and I was so thankful for everything. Mm -hmm. So I really felt like I wasn't desperate, if that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) When I, when I met him. So that was, that was where I was at. And it was like, oh, this guy's actually really great. And we hit it off and just started talking. And it like, it went so fast that each day felt completely different from the last. We were just making so much progress in how we were connecting. What was your first date like with him? He drove hours up to see me one night after work and he had had made arrangements to go see a concert. He uh, asked me, because I 
you know, love food and it's a big part of, <laughs> big Ask part of how I connect with people. Yeah. And he took a second to text me. I just remember this cause it went deep with me. He said, do you have any dietary restrictions? <laughs> Such a simple question, but I'm like, he's thinking about it, you know? So he shows up at my door with dinner to go in one hand and a bouquet of flowers in the other. So then I, you know, had this beautiful bouquet and I'm eating food in his car on the way to the concert. He had it all planned out and it was really fun. It felt really natural. Um, even on the way there, looking back, I'm like, oh, this is kind of a lot at once, but he, I think he was FaceTiming his, no, he was Snapchatting his brother, mm-hmm. which now that I think about it, I'm like, we're, you know, grown adults in our thirties Snapchatting, but it wasn't <laughs> weird at the time. <laughs> I love it. Oh, so funny. And I think he, he like turned the phone toward me as I'm shoving salad in my mouth. He said something mm-hmm. like, say hi to my brother. And I'm just like, oh, you know, hi, but it. On one hand, I was like, oh, that's weird. On the other hand, I thought, well, at least he's not hiding me. You know, it's yeah, just no, definitely. You know, and I like super comfortable. Yeah. And he was in communication with his brother. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, good. So close sibling relationship. It was all good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went to the concert. And then that night I had to, we got back late and I took my dog out for a walk to go potty. So he came with me and we walked all the way just down like Capitol downtown area talked and talked and talked until probably about 2 a.m. And then he had like a two and a half hour, almost three hour drive home, had to get up for work the next day. No complaints. He was just like, I am, I'm happy to have had that time with you. Meanwhile, I felt terrible because he had to be exhausted. He was just like, (laughs) he goes, I'm a grown man. I made my own decision. No regrets. I would do it again in a heartbeat, you know, just laying it on nice and thick. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, Oh, yay. Oh, yeah. yeah. And from there on out, it was constant. Every minute we were together, it was, well, tell me this about you. Tell me this about you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it blows your mind to feel like the most fascinating thing someone has ever discovered in their life. That's how he Mm -hmm. made me feel. And it wasn't just that he asked a ton of questions. He remembered every stinking detail. And he would want to know, well, why? And what are are your deepest fears and thoughts and dreams around this and this? And and it was, oh, wait, let's dig a little deeper here. Well, we're going to make this happen. And I'm just, I felt like he took my heart and just like laid it out and was mm-hmm. like, this is the most beautiful and important thing I've discovered in my whole life. If that I makes think sense. that connects you a lot too, having yeah. all these deep conversations mm-hmm. and just that would connect you very fast. Yes. And he made it seem like he was sharing things with me he hadn't shared with people before. I mean, we went so Mm -hmm. deep so fast. And any heart, he would always say, I'm an open book. I'm an open book. So any hard question you need to ask, anything, he had a quick answer to. Even to my parents who kind of grilled him because they saw we were moving quickly. And they were, you know, like, oh, we're going to take him aside. And I freaked out going, you know, back off. But they saw, okay, this guy's coming in, you know, at hundred miles an hour, he seems to have it all together. If this is going to move fast and, and kind of get out of control, we at least want to know something about him so that we can trust him. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes things do move quickly, but if it's moving too fast before we get a chance to vet him out, you know, we'll have regrets. So they sat him down and grilled him. And after that grilling session, which I was not happy about, they were satisfied because I guess he had an answer for everything and mm-hmm. wasn't upset at all. And so they found the red flags. Yeah. I remember the conversation with my mom afterwards. This I will never forget. She <laughs> word for word goes, I have no red flags. Oh, wow. And it, I just kind of paused and was like, okay, this is different. This might just be it. Finally, (laughs) especially hearing from people who love you the most, yeah, and like you trust them, and so yeah. And my mom and I are really close. She is a great judge of character. I mean, she loves everybody. She'll accept Mm -hmm. anyone with open arms. But Mm -hmm. everybody I dated up until that point, although she loved them and accepted them as people, she had reservations. So this was the first, as far as how they were for a partner for me, you know, personally. And this was the very first time that I saw her just fall head over heels for someone and say. I have no red flags, even after asking them and looking for the red flags. So yeah, it went, it went pretty far. (laughs) I remember hearing when I first heard your story about your sister, what were her feelings about him? Like when she first had met him? She was really skeptical because she always is. And she's always been sort of treated as the person that everyone has to get past kind of thing. Um, Cause she's sarcastic, very, you know, tell it like it is. 
and protective at the same time. Um, and she genuinely hadn't really, she likes to make this joke. Like she says, I hate people. She doesn't, but <laughs> she just, you know, chooses her friends very carefully and prefers to be alone a lot of the time. So she didn't like, I don't think so far, any of the guys I dated. So it's this big, oh, you got to get past Emily. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily remember, and you guys, if if you've listened to the story <laughs> on the other podcast, because <laughs> what I did was I dumped it all out in that podcast and then it was just like, go listen to the podcast, you know, to anybody else that asked. <laughs> um, but I... I don't remember if there was something specific he said or did that she didn't like. I think she just was uncomfortable with how fast it was moving. Mm-hmm. And she felt that he was a little bit, oh, he was trying to saddle up to her a little too quickly. It was just like, mm-hmm. hey, hey, buddy, hey, pal, kind of thing. And she's just like, I'm not that to you yet. And yeah. she caught on that he was trying to like manufacture this buddy buddiness with her and mm-hmm. ignoring the fact that that takes time naturally. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, yeah, I'm not having it. So did he do that to other people in your life? Yeah, not everybody. And and looking back, I realized he only did it to people that I was verbal about being close with or that really mattered oh, okay. to me. Okay. So I I lived with two roommates at the time, like I mentioned, and one of them I had traveled with and got really close to really quickly. The other, I love her. We just weren't as connected. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that he didn't really give her the time of day. I learned later he oh, was wow. kind of a jerk to her, but she oh, didn't wow. tell me that, but he mm-hmm. took really good care of my closer roommate, paid for mm-hmm. things. We'd go out. He always would spoil her, pay for all our meals. She just thought that he was Prince Charming. And he did that with other friends of mine and friends, parents. Uh, looking back now, he would, it was uncomfortable, almost flirty. How, especially like women in my life, it was just like, ew. I know what you mean, honestly. I've seen that before. So, yeah, it is just kind of like, it was schmoozy. That's, I think that's the word for it. And I I didn't see it in the moment. I just thought, you know, he's charismatic. He's got a big, big personality. I I just said pig on accident. I don't know if that, (laughs) if that was truly an accident or not. But that fits also. I know. Kind of going into your love story. How did that unfold? I, cause, so how long was it until you guys, from when you met until you got engaged? So we met at the beginning, I want to say mid-August. And right when we met, part of what endeared me to him so quickly is because um, he had flown. He lived in the Bay Area. I lived in Sacramento. So we had a few hours between us. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had was from Colorado and he had friends back there that had asked him to officiate their wedding. So immediately oh. off the bat, I'm going, okay, this guy – is officiating someone's wedding. That says a lot usually about his relationships. And he said he uh, had another couple out there. He had worked with the husband. Their daughter was his goddaughter. So he was out there seeing them and doing all this. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, okay, solid guy. Um, He comes back home and immediately, I want to say within a couple days to the next weekend is no. Yeah. It was only a few days later. It was that same week that he took me out to dinner. Mm -hmm. Everything was super intentional. He would come to me. Um, I think it was maybe the next weekend or the weekend after that he found out my parents were kind of pushing back, especially my dad. My dad was doing the whole, if this guy, look, if something is too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. And I was Mm -hmm. getting upset because I was just hearing repeated failed relationships in the back of my mind going like, gosh, dang it. Can't you just be excited for me for once? You know, just because Mm -hmm. nothing else has worked out doesn't mean I haven't finally found the right thing. Mm -hmm. And my ex found out. I, I called him. I was FaceTiming him in the front yard of my parents' house, visibly upset. And he goes, I'm coming. I'm coming out right now. And I'm going, no, it's a work night. You live three hours away. You don't, just because my dad is being, you know, an a-hole doesn't mean you need to, and he goes, no, I'm coming right now. I respect that. And I want to put them at ease. Drives all wow. the way out. So emotionally I'm getting connected really quickly. He, yeah. every time we're together, I would either go down to the Bay and stay with him or he would come up to Sacramento, but he waited on me hand and foot. I couldn't lift a finger. I couldn't cook anything. He would stock his apartment with what had to be crazy expensive amounts of food. <laughs> and I mean, he'd, he'd go to Whole Foods and just clean them out. And looking back, well, now I know he spent thousands of dollars every weekend we were together. He would take me places. I would push back a little bit. I'd go, we don't need to get that. That's so, We don't need to eat there. We don't need to buy mm-hmm. that. And he made me feel a little bit like a buzzkill because he'd go, he'd finally stop and go, look, have you ever had anyone just dote on you? Or do you just push everyone away like this? Just let someone treat you the way you deserve to be treated. So I would feel like, well, who am I 
you know, he kind of shut me up effectively. So Mm -hmm. after a while, I just wouldn't push back. He wanted me to meet his friends and family. So he would fly me places within, let's see, we met in August. We became official like maybe a week or two later. Mm -hmm. Um, September, October is when our first, gosh, it was either October, November, our first trip out of state was planned. He flew me to Seattle to meet friends of his and the friends of his, he'd worked with the guy meeting them. The guy gets up, wraps my boyfriend in a big bear hug and said, looks at me and goes, just so you know, I have a man crush on your boyfriend here. I'm going, okay. And I still needed some questions answered because he had Mm -hmm. all these larger than life stories. He had had this crazy career where he had apparently worked for major, major companies that everyone knows the name of in the design world. And this guy that we went to brunch with started corroborating his stories and I would hear the same names being dropped. So inside I'm thinking, okay, I need to calm down. Like maybe he's telling the truth. Yeah. Some people just, I mean, what girl doesn't want that? A man who's loved by everyone, successful, I mean, and dotes on you handed. Yeah. I, right. And I'm like, I'm thinking, what if I do say no out of being skeptical and I just mm-hmm. said no to the actual dream? <laughs> I yeah. felt, you know, it's like a darn if you do, darn if you don't situation. So mm-hmm. Seattle is amazing. That's when I don't, I thought I fell in love. Maybe I was high on, mm-hmm. you know, brain chemicals and <laughs> dopamine and everything, but I'm just like, I love this guy. And then mm-hmm. he flies me to Texas to meet his aunt and uncle. They treat him like a son. They seem to be super close. I was treated like a princess. They doted on me. It was a blast. I felt like I was in Disneyland. And then he flies me to Colorado to meet his parents. They treat me like a princess. They have this bathroom all set up for me. His mom had put all these little girly things out. It, was, it felt like a little personal hotel. And I met, oh gosh, friends of his out there. That's when we went to dinner with the couple that I had said had asked him to be the godfather of their daughter. Mm-hmm. So this lady and I are sitting, I just met her that night. We're drinking wine, sitting at her dining room table, laughing and crying and talking about timelines and kids and spiritual things. Meanwhile, my boyfriend and her husband are laughing in the kitchen and I hear my boyfriend let out this big belly laugh and she goes, oh, I've missed that laugh. How how can I not? (laughs) Yeah. That's like when you're dating someone and everyone comes up to you and they're like, I haven't seen him this happy in so long. And you're like, I can be that. Yes. I'm thinking mm-hmm. this was written in the stars. It Literally, was his, this it's, is Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's his destiny. It's my destiny. I'd be a fool to walk away from this. But what's yeah. crazy, crazy to look back on. And in that moment when that woman heard him laugh in the kitchen, I will never forget the feeling in my stomach because I heard that laugh. And my first thought, it was almost like an out of body moment was that was fake. I know his laugh. Oh, that no. laugh felt like a little too, ho, 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 you know, like a little Santa Clausy and manufactured. And at that same moment when she goes, oh, I've missed that laugh. I remember thinking, huh, okay. And just moved on. That's now so looking back, I know certain times when he was, he had the dial cranked all the way up and was in charm mode. That mm-hmm. was the laugh that would kick in, but I would never hear that laugh outside of scenarios where he wasn't trying to charm the people like at a million miles an hour, if that makes sense. So that, but that overall, that explains how we moved so quickly because I met a lot of his people. He met a lot of my people. Everything was going really, really well. And eventually people, myself included, started saying, sometimes things move fast and they're fine. Just because something's moving quickly doesn't mean it's not a good thing. If everyone's on board, everyone's on board. So we started shopping for rings in the in the San Francisco area uh, during the holidays. So the beginning of December ish, and we so got- it was, that was from August to the beginning of December. Yeah, yeah, so it was. So I think we we're official. Yeah, September, October, November. For some reason, I had three months in my head. So maybe three months from the time of like making it official to getting engaged. Okay. So maybe we didn't make it official official until. October ish, mm-hmm. October, November, December, or January, because we got engaged January. Gosh, this is great that I don't even remember. January 20th, I think. Uh-huh. I just remember the 20th because his big 30th birthday was the 22nd. 
And it was perfect timing because he had never seen Yosemite. So I planned to get away to Yosemite for his birthday, which also Mm -hmm. turned out to be a perfect engagement getaway celebration thing. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Yeah, that was our whirlwind pre-engagement experience. So before you got engaged, you were still like after Colorado, you had that weird feeling, but were you just like, this is just a feeling, everything's still great? I do remember one moment I felt like things were moving so quickly. Everything Mm -hmm. was perfect. There literally was nothing wrong, nothing on paper. The Mm -hmm. only thing that looking back, I think felt wrong was that I emotionally didn't feel like I was catching up to where he was. He he wouldn't tell me that he was head over heels, but here's where I'll mention that I was introduced to some friends of his named Brian and Kimmy who didn't live near us. They lived in New York, but very early on in our dating relationship, I think maybe a week or two in, he, we were in the car and he said that he was Snapchatting this friend, Brian, and it was wild because looking back, he was driving actually. So I'm not like, <laughs> like now he's Snapchatting and driving. This is a, a weird pattern. So he goes, oh, my friend Brian is crazy. He's in a fight with his wife right now. Actually, I think you'd really like Kimmy. And I remember thinking, what of those two things did you connect <laughs> between <laughs> her being crazy and I, you know, the fact that I would like her, but I think it was Wait. the next couple of days or so that I get mm-hmm. a text from a number. I don't know. And it was, Hey girl, this is Kimmy. You're dating my husband's friend. We go way back. He said that, you know, you would tolerate my crazy ass. I pretty sure that that was her language. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I just remember thinking, okay, you're wild, but she right. was really engaging. Mm-hmm. And she was the one who would keep in touch with me and tell me, Hey, he has been telling Brian that he is falling fast for you. Where are you at? And I'd be like, oh gosh, you know, and think, okay, she's obviously a snitch. I'm not going to tell her right. anything. Mm-hmm. If this but, is his best friend, then. Yeah. She's, she would tell, oh, and she would also say things like the reason I, I thought she was a bit of a snitch was she would say, um, is there anything you want to know about him? You know, I got, I got all the dirt. You have any questions, you know, anything, I'll tell you everything. So I just remember thinking if you're going to do that about him, you're going to do that about me. So I'm going to just be careful how I word things. Um, but plus I want to get to know, get to know him organically. And they lived in New York, but he owned an online business that often took them overseas. So they had, if I remember right, they had two kids and they, while my ex and I were dating and I was texting Kimmy and sometimes Brian, but mostly Kimmy, um, they had kind of a crazy turn of events and had to fly to New York. So she kind of had to drop everything and, um, they were in New York and then went to Africa because they were in the process of adopting a daughter. So there was just a lot going on with Mm -hmm. them. But Kimmy really made a point of reaching out to me multiple times a week. It was kind of a lot, but she was fun to talk to. Um, Mm -hmm. We had a lot in common and we liked a lot Mm -hmm. of the same stuff. So she would just ask me random questions and talk to me a lot about my boyfriend and stuff like that. So that was the nature of my friendship with them. Um, and when like my boyfriend's 30th birthday was coming up, I had an idea for his gift and I needed a bunch of phone numbers of all of his friends. Um, cause his love language is words of affirmation. And he had moved out to California. A lot of his friends and family live all over the country. So I thought Mm -hmm. what better way to help him feel a little more connected to all of them than to collect a bunch of little notes for his thirties, whether it's words of encouragement or funny advice or just a hello. So I wanted to reach out to all of the friends and family I'd heard him talk about a lot Mm -hmm. and collect these little anecdotes from them and put them in a book for him to read on his 30th birthday. Mm -hmm. But I reached out to Brian for all the phone numbers because I didn't want my ex to know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So Brian was on it, gave me all these phone numbers, suggested other ideas for his birthday presents. There was a Bible that he really wanted and said, hey, you should get this for him. And I'm like, I Mm -hmm. got this. Thank you. And he goes, well, you want me to order it for you? And I went, no, <laughs> step back too much, too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Kimmy back up, so when I had mentioned that my emotions didn't, I was having a bit of a panic moment going, yeah. I, I don't know if I love this person, but Kimmy had said, Hey, pr- you know, pretty sure your boyfriend just dropped the L bomb to my husband. So where you, are you there yet? Are you there yet? Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I remember being in my car one night and freaking out. And I said something out loud, like I will not be duped again, because I think I had felt like I should have known better in the past. I mean, we all learn as we're dating, 
but I don't know why I had this sense of guilt of like, why didn't I know better when I was dating people that didn't work out in the past? I had thought, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be this, it's going to be this. And obviously it, I ended up being right. wrong. It didn't work out. So this time I thought, this is moving so fast and it's so intense and so special. If I'm wrong about this one, I think something in me is broken pretty much. Like I'm going to need, like my picker is truly broken. (laughs) Um, But he's in love. So I need to catch up. And I remember reaching out to a couple of friends in that moment and just saying, Hey, can you be praying for me? Mm -hmm. I need support. And I I feel like this is, you know, this is a really, really big deal. Mm -hmm. So it was in that moment that she was texting me. Then we went to Seattle and I was just like, I'm, you know what? I'm going to stop overthinking this. I'm just going to go on this trip with this guy and I'm going to enjoy myself and get out of my head. That's mm-hmm. when I realized I'm in love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was. And did you tell her that? I did not tell her before okay. I told him. Okay, I told good. him first. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and then when she found out, of course, she was, you know, flipping out, going crazy and said, we, when the time comes, we're going to fly you out to New York. I want to take you to Kleinfeld and I want you to pick your dream dress. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, once again, his people are so generous and everyone is just loving on me like crazy. Um, I think they also, I don't remember the details. I know that my boyfriend had promised also to start saving up to buy me my dream piano. As soon as he found out that it cost a hundred grand, even just to get (laughs) a little one, he goes, oh, Uh you know, I'm just casually going to open another bank account and start putting, you know, money away. So I don't know if I was an idiot to disclose all this to my parents or if I was just so overwhelmed, I needed to, you know, dump this on someone, but I told my parents oh my gosh, he said he opened a bank account and, you know, Kimmy's going to fly me out. Don't worry about helping me pick out a dress, guys. Kimmy's got it. She's going to fly me to New York. And so, of course, my mom, being my mother, is wants me to have my dream. So she's really excited that this friend is going to take me to New York of all places. And, and oh my goodness, the piano. So that's where yeah. we were at when we got engaged. It was like, my parents were kind of flip-flopping. My mom was just over the moon obsessed. And my dad's going, this is too good to be true. And then I find out around Christmas they kind of flip-flopped a little bit because he spent Christmas with my family, mm-hmm. which and was- And this was after you were engaged or before? before? Oh, you got engaged in January. So this was before, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I had to think about that for a second. Yeah. This was before we got engaged. Um, and having someone not part of the immediate family there for Christmas was a big deal. Mm-hmm. We didn't often do that. Or we've kept our Christmas pretty much the same every year. So mm-hmm. it was a big deal for my sister because she is really staunch when it comes to- Yeah. Traditions has got to be the same way and no outsiders allowed. So (laughs) he was an outsider, but she and he, so I thought they, they bonded that night and she posted on social media a picture and said something about liking him or approving of him or something that was huge and had never happened before. Mm -hmm. So this is another thing I took and ran with. I found out later she claimed that she was drunk that day. So not to take her (laughs) post. (laughs) I'd say that too. (laughs) I was like, you never took it down though. You didn't take it down till later. So it counts. But that's so funny. Excuse me. So that's, uh, that's where we were at with my, my parents kind of flip-flopping back and forth. It was then my dad after Christmas, my dad was, was going, he's great. And my mom was going, but I haven't heard anything more. Oh, I think it was, she had, she felt like he had made a lot of grand promises. So my Mm -hmm. mom was kind of starting to slow down and go, okay, let's see how much of this actually happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he had also set up a pattern of texting them regularly. Fairly early on in our relationship, he took the initiative to reach out to my mom and say, I would love to get to know you guys. Um, You have, you know, raised an amazing human and all credit goes to you and just really showered my mom and my dad, but mostly my mom with praise. Of Mm -hmm. course, cuts right to my mom's heart. And, you know, Mm -hmm. saying things like, you know, I I promise to take good care of her and I see how special she is and, you know, the sun shines out her butt and all that stuff. (laughs) So my mom was just like, oh, I love him. And he, Mm -hmm. every once in a while, would just text her and say, praying for you, Mama Rose, you know, love you. Mm -hmm. Hope you have an amazing day. You're an amazing mom. And it wasn't until, let's see, we got engaged in January. We did our little getaway trip. I gave him the gift. He cried like a baby, like massive crocodile tears seeing that gift. And then it was shortly after that, that we started trying to plan a wedding, find a place to live together. He agreed to move up to where I was Mm -hmm. that my mom started reaching out to me because I guess 
uh, he had stopped reaching out to them. So she was like, how's he doing? I'd go, I don't know. We're busy. You know, we've got a lot <laughs> going on. I think, you know, he's good. And she'd go, oh, he's been kind of quiet. I haven't, I haven't heard from him. I'd go, oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I, <laughs> do you want like weekly texts? I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, he'll Did see you a week. Know? Did he know that your parents were having these like flip-flop feelings about him? No. I okay. no. I don't think I talked to him directly. He might have known a, I might have told him a little bit, but most of my processing I think happened with Kimmy because she was the one asking me, mm-hmm. "What's your family think?" because uh, she was like, "I know this is moving quickly and when I met my husband, my dad was like very much against it for the first year of our marriage." So and she would say, I guess she was raised in a very similar environment. She goes, my parents were conservative. I was homeschooled. You know, I'm thinking, wow, it, okay, that's a lot of very specific details that are similar. Mm-hmm. And she would say, you know, my dad was very against it for the first year, year and a half of their marriage. Well, they'd been together 13 years now. And she said, don't worry, it gets better. How are your parents handling it? And I'd go, well, <laughs> you know, here are some concerns. And I was, mm-hmm. I was careful with what I shared. Mm-hmm. And she would go, oh, yeah, that's not okay. That's not biblical. They're way over, like, they're very controlling. They're overbearing. You're not marrying. He's not marrying them. They're not marrying him. This is between you and your future husband. You guys need to keep this between yourselves. And I would go, yeah, you know, you're right. They're not marrying him. I am. And, mm-hmm. and she'd go, if you're happy. And I'm like, oh, I'm happy. But then mm-hmm. how could why? you not be? <laughs> right. And she would say, why are you trying to keep your parents happy? you are the one who needs to be happy. I'd go, you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's it's logical. Now come like January, February, I'm trying to plan this wedding on a budget. I don't want a massive, very expensive wedding. I don't want to go into a lot of debt. My parents mm-hmm. were really kind and sat us down and offered to give us some money toward it. It wasn't a chunk, especially compared to, you know, compared to what weddings cost nowadays. Right. It wasn't a lot, but it was really helpful. And it was kind mm-hmm. of the number that I'd had in mind mm-hmm. to keep the budget at. So while I was really thankful, my ex like broke down. He, his tears that he cried in that moment were so, his response was so dramatic that my mom told me later that she and my dad were extremely uncomfortable. It wasn't, it wasn't an emotional, we love you. We're here to help you moment. It was like, whoa, this feels out of place. And he was crying um, out of thankfulness. Yes. It was okay. like, wow, okay. thank you so much. This is going to make a big difference. But it was out of proportion to the moment and, mm-hmm. and just felt overly dramatic. Mm-hmm. And did I you feel that way too? Yeah, a little okay. bit. I kind of looked over and was like, well, man, like, okay. <laughs> I didn't realize, first of all, I didn't realize you were truly that stressed about money, apparently. Mm-hmm. And two, I know it's, I mean, it's it's a decent amount, but it's not a it's not a like fall to your knees and weep amount. Yeah. He's but he was, you up. $100,000 piano. So exactly. I, I'm like, this is not even a down payment on the piano and you're losing your mind. Yeah. And it was after that, I think that combined with the sudden radio silence when it came to his communication with my parents mm-hmm. that started to make them try to reach out to me more and ask me and I would get defensive and annoyed. And I would feel like they were doing exactly what Kimmy was saying, which was trying to get in the middle of things. And it got irritating. Mm -hmm. And they invited me to dinner one night to talk about things. And I said, talk about what, what I'm going to have my fiance with me. And they said, no, no, it's, it's not, it's fine. He doesn't need to be there. It's not anything big. Well, Mm -hmm. I finally agreed to go to dinner with them and they were sitting me down saying, we have questions. Why is he not reaching out? What's going on? Something seems off. He's acting weird. And I said, first of all, this feels like a big bait and switch. You told me there was nothing Mm -hmm. wrong. You told Mm -hmm. me there was no reason he needed to be here. Your problem is with him, not with me. And I could hear, you know, Kimmy's voice in my mind and I was getting really heated going, you guys are out of bounds right now. And this is inappropriate. And they were like, we just don't know what else to do. What, what happened to conversations about the piano? I hear, you know, you're going to go shopping for a dress. What happened to Kimmy's promise to fly you to New York? And I was, I said, they're in London. What would you like them to do? They Mm -hmm. business changed. Do you want me to give them your number so that you can call them and say, you should still fly them to New York. I mean, you know, or fly me to New York. 
So I gave them all of the reasons for everything. And I knew that my ex was really stressed at work. Apparently things had escalated. He had a very high profile design job in the Bay Area. And meanwhile, he's trying to, from what you know, Kimmy was explaining to me in the background, he feels like he's bankrolling this whole thing for me. He's trying to move to Sacramento for me and trying to find this house. It's going to mean a major shift in his job, possibly a whole new job when he's just moved out here like the year before. So it's a lot going on. And his fiance's parents are nagging him because they expect him to buy a hundred thousand dollar piano and fly me to New York and text them twice a week. Hello, you know, and see how they're doing. So I'm really irritated at this point. And I tell my parents, you need to calm down and back up. I have very valid reasons for the way things are. He's stressed. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that he set a precedent to text you a certain number of times a week, but just know that life has changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll get to the wedding. Um, in the meantime, I think it was that night or the next night, Kimmy texted me going, Hey, you were just on my heart. Is everything okay? And I thought, actually, I am, I'm going to ask her about this because I really feel out of my element here with what my parents are doing and I don't know how to handle this. Mm-hmm. So I told her, my parents took me to dinner tonight and I don't know how she knew. At the time, I had no idea how she would have known, you know, that something was up, but she would say, Hey, I just, I had it on my heart to be praying about praying for you. You know, Brian was talking to, you know, Dick tonight. Is everything okay? Something feels off. You're on my mind. You're on my heart. So that's when I thought, you know what? Maybe she's hearing from God. Maybe she, yeah. you know, I am on her heart for I a reason. I would think that, honestly. Yeah. I think there's been times in my life when I am going through something hard and someone's like, hey, I'm praying for you. And I'm like, I needed that. Like, that is God. <laughs> that's happened to me so many times. And there have been so many crazy instances where people have told me something specific that there was no other way they could have known. Right. So mm-hmm. I've had those separate times that were very valid and legit. Mm-hmm. And so this time I'm going, no question. That must know, be what yeah. it is. This is what happens. So I told her and she went off. She goes, girl, that is so not biblical. Your parents are this and this, and you are codependent. And this is, you're enmeshed and they're living through you and they're trying to you know, control you. And this is not biblical. You better set the precedent now. Like you're marrying your husband. He's not marrying them. Everything stays between you and him. You can work this out, but they are not involved at all. Friends, family, like none of that. That's completely inappropriate and they've crossed a line. And I was just like pitchfork up going, (laughs) yeah, you know, you're right. My parents Uh suck. Yeah. (laughs) And she would ask me questions about my roommates too going, so how old are you guys? So they don't, they're just like going paycheck to paycheck or what? I don't understand how this works because your boyfriend comes from a world where people have their careers set you know, by now they're doing this, they're doing that. So what is with this weird, like you weird millennials? Cause she apparently was a little bit older. Mm-hmm. You, know, you all are just roommating it up, you know, getting these <laughs> minimum wage jobs. And now I'd be like, you want to come trying to live in Sacramento at age, you know, and she's saying this about you, mostly my roommates, but kind of, it's starting to get about me as well. She's okay. Just, I remember thinking, well, how am I the exception? Is it just because mm-hmm. your friend has fallen in love with me that you're not judging my life choices? Because I don't have a crazy great, you know, career mm-hmm. and I don't have major investments in my retirement set and I'm almost 30. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, my roommates and I weren't struggling, but we were just kind mm-hmm. of like, well, we'll blow this bonus on a trip to Europe, you know, right. <laughs> Stuff like that. living a little bit month to month um, and paying more rent than we probably should have been. But she would subtly ask me questions that would make me start to think, yeah, I guess I do live in a bit of a bubble. Or she would start to say, and it wasn't until after we were engaged, she'd start to say things like, you know, marriage is very, what did she say? Very refining, very humbling. You're about to learn that you have been able to live very selfishly these last few years. You've done whatever you wanted. Haven't really had much of an aim or a goal. You've been kind of just like fly by the seat of your pants. And that's not how the rest of the world operates. And you've grown up in a very tight knit community and everyone has been telling you, and I'm like using air quotes because this is always, it was, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So it was her very backhanded way of saying, Mm -hmm. you are not the shit. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, you're not really that much different from anybody else, but you've grown up in this community that's made you think that you're really special. You have an amazing plan ahead of you. And if you just skate by all these incredible things are going to happen for you. But guess what? You haven't done anything to make anything happen. And 
she was hitting on something that was really deep in me that was not untrue because I had a little bit of like, I should be further ahead in life. I should be doing more. I'm not doing enough. And I took what she, I knew it was a little bit harsh and it stung, but there was enough truth in it that I, I took it. If that yeah, makes sense. Did you feel like at that point she was a good enough friend to you where it was like not as much as an insult, but maybe like, I'm just trying to help, help you. you. Yeah. Like Tough we're love. such good friends. Yeah. 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 It felt like a harsh truth. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, Ooh, you don't always feel good to talk to, but I, I do know in my head that I need people to yeah. speak the truth, you right, know, yeah. and, and be real with me. And in the end, if this is going to help me, fine, maybe I do need to toughen up a little bit because I thought, oh, that even the fact that it stung made me think you are too soft. You're used to everybody praising you and not telling you what you should be doing differently or doing better. So um, I thought, okay, I'm going to toughen the heck up mm-hmm. and I'm going to get my act together. <laughs> it wasn't until she was asking me honeymoon questions. She would ask me things like, you know, are you ready for sexy time on the honeymoon? And I would think, I don't talk to my girlfriends about this. This just mm-hmm. isn't really, you know, my style. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, have you lost, have you lost, are you ready for the honeymoon? Have you lost the cellulite for the honeymoon photos? And that's when everything shifted. <sighs> I just, I had to take a moment, obviously, because mm-hmm. I'm trying to Maybe I was a little bit too much of a peacekeeper in the moment, but I thought, okay, before I rip her head off, I'm going to do everything I can to figure out where she's coming from. Mm-hmm. Maybe I misunderstood. Maybe she didn't mean it the way that she clearly said it. Um, and I said, you know, do you think that I may be a little more confident than I – do I come across more confident than I am or something like that? Because I wanted her to see me as a human and realize mm-hmm. yeah, I have the same body image issues pretty much every female does you know, on the planet. And Mm -hmm. I'm not unaware that I have cellulite. (laughs) Thank you for the reminder. (laughs) And she uh, said, she goes, oh yeah. I mean, to be honest, no offense, but you come across, what did she say? Like hella confident or something like that. And I went, okay, well, I'm not in that. Have you met her at this point? Right. You have not met her. So she's not met you in real life. No. And I knew that would have helped. I remember kind of thinking like, I not knowing her tone, not knowing her expressions. This does not help. I'd seen a ton of pictures. I knew what she and her husband looked like. Um, they had FaceTimed my fiance actually, because apparently they had successfully adopted this baby who was just beautiful. And there was a night when they had agreed because of the time difference. And they were still, I think they were still in Africa at the time they had agreed to FaceTime my fiance and introduce them. But I wasn't there because we didn't Mm -hmm. live in the same place. And so he sent me a screenshot that night or the next day of their FaceTime or Skype conversation. Okay. So I could see him kind of in the bottom right corner and mm-hmm. their new baby in, in the main part of the screen. But it was kind of pixely, but she was asleep. She was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And he had just snapped that little screenshot just to show me what she looked like. Um, so that up until that point, that was the only connection I had had with the two of them was the photos, the texting, the screenshot. And... Um, I don't remember when they sent me the letters, but there were typed up letters that they had tried to mail to me, but couldn't get my address, I think. So one day my fiance just handed them to me. Um, Okay. And it was, they were a little much. (laughs) Um, I remember thinking these people are obsessed with my fiance. Mm -hmm. It was really intense. It was really emotional. They appeared to idolize him. It was basically a couple of letters stating one written by each of them, one from Brian, one from Kimmy, two separate letters stating. Handwritten? No, they were typed. typed. Oh, they were typed. Yeah. Um, I guess. So, and I asked, I think my fiance at the time, he'd mentioned something about um, they had attempted to write them, but some, there were some issues or something. They ended up just. Oh, I think maybe in the mail, I think what they did was they typed them and emailed them to him or something like that. Something to do with mailing where they were at the moment. Cause they obviously traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I read the letters, the, the summary of it was, you know, they had been praying for, they were writing this to their friend's future wife, whoever she may be, cause he's the most incredible human that they had ever met. And they just can't imagine the day that he meets someone, you know, worthy of him. And, um, here is, you know, how to love him. Don't do this, do that. Don't do this, do that. And 
even in the moment, I remember thinking, has Kimmy ever had a, a she had like, a thing for my, mm-hmm. yeah, was there like a weird, seriously, triangle history yeah. here going on? You know, it's just, <laughs> but it was too much, too mm-hmm. much yeah. pedestal happening there. Mm-hmm. And that was the letter. And then they also, this was sent in the mail from Africa. Legitimately, it was a handmade robe. It was beautiful. Not necessarily something I would wear, but clearly authentic. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was, it had been shipped from, um, oh my gosh, I think it was either Rwanda, Tanzania. So that was the only connection that mm-hmm. I had with them up until that point. I knew okay. them to be very kind, very busy. Very selfless, though attentive, just a little rough around the edges, mm-hmm. okay. language-wise and comments-wise. Okay. But up until then, Kimmy had – her texts up until like shortly after we got engaged were filled with praise and adoration and encouragement. Towards she, you. Yes. Okay. Big time. Like glowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would send me scripture. She would say, you, you know, you have a lot – you have so much going for you. And I know that if – my friend has fallen for you. There must be, you know, you must be special mm-hmm. kind of thing. So she really endeared herself to me. That's why I was willing to take some of the harsher comments and mm-hmm. not immediately write her off. Cause that's not who I knew her to be. Mm-hmm. And I also thought that she was someone that was championing me just as much as my fiance was. At the right. Time. So, you know, people are like, how, how the heck did you tolerate cellulite comments? And I'm like, well, right. I didn't. I was pissed beyond all belief. Mm-hmm. And I did pretty much stop talking to her after that. I limited things, but I didn't mm-hmm. cut her off because yeah, I wasn't just going to cut off who I knew to be a mostly normal human being who just had, you know, had some rough edges. So yeah. after she had that conversation with me and I lost my mind, I told my fiance, I asked him if Kimmy possibly had some body image issues, maybe some, you know, self hatred just why would you mm-hmm. it felt like she was projecting something on someone else obviously yeah yeah and i feel a lot a lot when somebody is so insulting to you it's because of their own insecurities so mm-hmm. that would make sense absolutely it's it's a it, you're acting out of pain mm-hmm. exactly and it's funny because he had always spoken very highly of them they were really a big part of his life some like they were a couple that he really looked up to and was very important to him he'd never spoken a negative word about them other than way back in the day to say something like oh my gosh she's crazy but in a joking way yeah in a way that makes you think oh it's fun to have that crazy friend you know yeah but when I said hey you know trying to stay under control again, um, does she have body image issues? Has she ever, you know, shown some unhealthy patterns? His response was, oh, yeah, oh, oh. you know, oh, they're mm-hmm. so unhealthy. And he said something about body hate he used. And I thought, I remember, I just remember thinking, oh, that's really extreme. Poor thing. Right. And how did I not catch on to this? Mm-hmm. And, oh, that explains why she was so mean. I'm not going to hold it against her quite so much, but I am going to limit my interactions with her because clearly she's not healthy. um, And she's, you know, not a a healthy friend in that aspect. So I I really pulled back on my communication with her and and she did slow down with reaching out to me, but it wasn't until like a week later, I think that Brian reached out to me and said, Hey girl, I'm sorry about my wife's behavior just know that you're one of the only women that has ever stuck it out with her. She has a really hard time keeping female friendships and you have meant like your consistency with her has really meant a lot. It's gone really deep. So I I just ask that you be patient with my wife. Oh, wow. Of course I'm thinking, how, how, what am I going to do now? (laughs) You know, how do I cut her out or not cut her out, but how am I going to distance myself after hearing yeah, all that. Yeah, and, and so the, the compassionate kind of like maybe people pleasing, I don't know if there's a little bit of a savior complex part in me there mm-hmm. was just like, okay, I'll help her. Right. I can, yeah. I can show her how to have healthy friendships mm-hmm. and tell her when something is not okay. Mm-hmm. And she did text me maybe a few days later, you know, hey girl, I heard that. And it was one of those half-assed apologies <laughs> where it was oh. like, I heard something I said made you mad and I'm sorry that it made you mad. Rather than saying, I am sorry I said something very mm-hmm. cruel and hurtful, you know, it was just sort of like, so we're good now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like trying to just mend things, but. Yeah. And 
I remember catching it. And I remember thinking, that is not an apology. This is not, there's no ownership. And she's still kind of a biatch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'd be pissing that text. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was ready to let it all go and kind of write mm-hmm. it off. But her apology was so fake. It just made me realize, okay, we're still exactly where we were before. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna keep very clear boundaries up with you. But thank you, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. for the half-hearted apology. <laughs> were you so, close with any of his other friends during this time? I wouldn't – because he didn't have – it was hard because he had moved to California from living out of state. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have – he hadn't been in California very long. Mm-hmm. I want to say maybe a year max. So we didn't have a lot of friends that I hung out with in person other than some coworkers and some people from church. I didn't meet mm-hmm. – oh, actually, when we we went to his church a few times in the city, and we did meet some of his friends there. Like he would turn around and say hi to someone. We had a couple conversations, um, but he didn't seem to have any close friendships. I don't remember if we like went to lunch or you know anything. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of times, especially one time I remember we were driving in downtown San Francisco – and he rolled down my passenger window and he had the biggest set of lungs I've ever heard on anybody. And he shouted out a coworker's name from across the street and it's crowded. You know, everybody's on foot going back and forth. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is the most embarrassing moment of my life. <laughs> Practically traffic stopping. And his friend, you know, a friend looked over and you could tell he was really shocked, but just kind of like, oh, it's him, you know? Um, <laughs> So he seemed to have relationships and friends mm-hmm. and he was in, he had talked about a small group that he was in, in church. Apparently there was some drama there. They were, there was a woman that was running the small group that had issues with him. Cause he was, he had been in seminary. So he had very strong opinions about what was biblical, mm-hmm. what wasn't. And he mm-hmm. could, he could pull out context references, you name it. He could just, pew, 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 you know, go. <laughs> and there were some things that were apparently, according to him, very wrong, very inaccurate and being taught inaccurately, which could be harmful in this small group. And this woman was trying to get him removed from the small group oh, for wow. making, making waves. So that's what I heard about. And I remember mm-hmm. even thinking in the car, I remember where we were and everything, thinking, well, why don't you just chill out? Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe at the end of the day, if people are in church and they're getting saved and it's not affecting their salvation, maybe you can just calm down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I respected Uh-oh. his desire for accuracy, his passion for the Bible, which I admired. Right. You know, and wow. I thought, I can't judge someone for being more passionate than me. Sometimes I can be mm-hmm. a little complacent and just, oh, mm-hmm. it's fine. You know, and we, I'm like, we need people like him. It's mm-hmm. okay. That's true, but oh goodness. And I, you know, I think this might have happened actually before we got engaged. I think it was around like November, December when he he had a dog. This dog was just mm-hmm. an angel, just the sweetest thing, loved him. But I did notice like when we would go, I, I would come down to the bay and we would be gone. Was it when we went to Seattle? We were gone overnight. I think because I think it was just one night. He his dog sitter fell through, I think, and he left his dog with food and water in his bathroom. And I felt a little weird about it, but I thought, okay, it's only one night. You know, maybe he'll be okay. I, I and the dog was really sweet. Obviously, loved him. Didn't act like he'd been mistreated or anything. Mm-hmm. But that was my first sense of, oh, he has different. I know some people are just a little bit less parental when it comes to their pets. A a lot of people Mm -hmm. with dogs, you know, they sleep outside, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. I just wouldn't do that. So Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, maybe he's just a little more, you know, rough with him. Mm -hmm. Um, But he took good care of him as far as feeding, you know, training, grooming, all that. He was, he was obviously very well taken care of in that regard. Um, When he would come and stay with me in Sacramento, he would bring his dog. My French bulldog, I had adopted her. She from the beginning was very uncomfortable with men, including my brother, my dad, um, people that are normally really, you know, warm and love dogs, Mm -hmm. but she would warm up to them over time. So I didn't really think twice when she took a long time, she didn't really seem to like him at first. And he would always play with her, come up to her. Her name was Maple. So he would just call her Mapes and try to be her best friend. Mm -hmm. And she started to warm up a little bit. Um, But over time, she just would get more and more standoffish and aggressive and annoyed. And I had a few friends that were obsessed with French bulldogs. They can be really quirky. They have really strong personalities Mm -hmm. and they're not your average, you know, dog. So I would go to people and go, 
here's what's happening. And they would say, oh, well, since you adopted her middle age, you don't really know her history. Who knows how she's been treated in the past? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, she might be dominant, which is really common. Mm -hmm. So you're bringing in a new guy with a male dog in your space. She probably doesn't like it. Just give it time. So we tried all the things, tried all the things. It didn't get better. It just continued to get worse. So it would get to the point where I would just leave her kenneled when he was over to try not to stress her out so much, but I would be out of the room. I'd be brushing my teeth or in the kitchen or something. And I would hear her shriek and I would think, gosh, she just can't handle him. And oh, I would, wow. I would peek in and he would be 15 feet away from her, you know, sitting in a chair or something. And she'd be in the kennel and he would look at me with these wide eyes, like, man, I don't get your dog. And I would be like, gosh, I'm sorry. This is so mm-hmm. stressful. And other times I'd hear her shriek again and I'd come back in the room and he'd look at me like, I'm, your dog is like cracking me up. He'd kind of be laughing like, oh, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. So this was all throughout the fall. I'm backing up a little bit. November or December-ish, uh, my roommate that I was close to was on our porch stretching after a run. And we're on the second floor of this three-story craftsman house. So mm-hmm. if you're down on the ground and you don't like glance up, you might not know that someone was up on that second level porch. Oh, okay. So when- while she's up there, Dick, my ex, was down on the ground level taking both of our dogs on a walk to go to the bathroom. And she came days later after he had gone back home, she came and said that she had been stretching on the porch. She was watching him walk both dogs. And out of nowhere, there was un, uh, what do you call it? Like unprompted or whatever. Unprovoked. Thank you. Yes. Unprovoked. <laughs> I knew it was a P word. He just kicked her. He just kicked her in. I guess he landed, his foot landed on her back right hip. And it was hard enough that her body lifted up in the air for a second. And she is a thick Frenchie. She's like, I want to say she was around 30, 25, 30 pounds, but she was small. So she's really, really dense. So he must have given her a good kick to get her to go up. Mm -hmm. And it was such a shock to the system to hear this. And it's not that I didn't believe my roommate because you could tell she was really disturbed by it and didn't hadn't known what to do. She had come to me but had waited a few days because didn't want him to be around when she was telling me this. But it just flew so in the face from everything I knew of him and the way he treated and loved on his dog, the way I had seen him love my dog. I think I just kind of went blank and I didn't do anything about it because I knew if I asked him about it, it wouldn't go anywhere. I just instinctively knew I'm not going to get an answer and it didn't line up with who I knew him to be. So again, I just shelved it. And now I I do understand that that is a response from people in traumatic situations or in scenarios where they're they're just not in their right mind. Um, Obviously looking back, there are a thousand different things I wish I had done but I had never had anything like that happen in my life. Mm-hmm. So things like this are kind of starting to happen. We're getting closer to, so fast forward now to spring, things with my dog were awful. It got to the point where we couldn't really get together with my dog anywhere around. I She would start snapping at him. She just hated him. And I had talked to people. I had talked to a vet. I talked to a couple of friends that were big time Frenchie and English bulldog people. And I was kind of getting the same story from everybody. And that's that sometimes this happens. You're going to, you're either going to have to rehome her or figure out how to live with it. And I thought, uh, well, even if I do figure out how to live with it, that's not fair to her. She's (laughs) obviously not happy. And she was happy before I would rather she be happy. Mm -hmm. So I made a really hard decision to rehome her. And we, our wedding was set for May and it was in April that I found this lady and it ended up being what I, I thought it was a God thing. It was meant to be because a year before when I had gone to adopt her, this woman had wanted her. I didn't even know that this woman had known she existed at all. I'd never met this woman, had no idea. And she wanted to adopt her. Um, but her husband had said, you know, not yet. I'm not ready. Cause they had Mm -hmm. a little dog that was old on his last leg. And the husband Mm -hmm. said, I'm just, let's just, you know, keep the little guy, alone for a little while longer. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think, oh yeah. And then by the time her husband did say, actually, let's go get her. She had already been adopted. So they missed the window. I had Mm -hmm. adopted her crazy that a year later, 
they find out that I, I think I reached out to a friend and she reached out to someone else and somehow word got to this woman, Hey, there's a Frenchie that's available. And her husband, their dog had just passed away, I think. And her husband said, okay, I'm, I'm ready. You know, let's, let's get it. Mm-hmm. And she reached out to me and we connected our stories and realized, yep, this is the same Frenchie that you had wanted a year ago. That so is I, so special. It was beautiful. I and it is. The other thing I needed to see for my own heart was Maple was really slow to warm up to people and she had crazy separation anxiety. And I remember when I took her home, she basically had anxiety attacks that whole night and really would not leave my side. Mm-hmm. So when this new lady came up to meet her for the first time, Maple went right up to her, went in her lap, snuggled with her, was completely comfortable with her. And when the lady led her away to her car, walked with her, got in the car. And I, of course, cried thinking, this is her mom. She is when she is perfectly at peace. So I was at peace, Mm -hmm. you know, was fine. I just remember though the night before, I think it was literally the night before I was packing up all her stuff and my fiance had never said anything about not rehoming her up to this point. He had let me make the decision, but he all of a sudden goes, are you sure you're making the right decision? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just not sure. You know, you're making, I don't know. I don't want you to regret it the night before. And I feel like he... He knew I was going to say, mm-hmm. it's all just, fine. It's fine. You know, it's and too late. after talking with that lady, correct? Yeah. This is after mm-hmm. I had said, this is meant to be. This is definitely going to happen. She's going to, you know. Oh, he for sure knew hands. that he was going to say no. So he decided he was yeah. able to say something. So that he wouldn't look like the bad guy. We are going to cut the episode here today because we have two hours. So tune in next week to hear how Sarah's story ends. And that's it for now. Bye. Bye.